So this is our This is our time for metta in the afternoon. Kind of a matinee. <laughs> so those of you who are already doing uh, metta practice as your sole practice or as a major part of your practice, this is when you get instructions that actually fit. So happy day for you. Today we're going to be extending our practice to include what's usually called a neutral person. Neutral person. So we've been practicing with ourselves, with a benefactor, with a a friend, and now we're going to begin the process of extending metta past where metta is often natural or or organic. Because often we'll feel the people who are in our closest circle that we feel uh, affinity or affection for in some sort of way. They may be complicated in some ways, but the basic attitude is goodwill. Then once we move out past that place where meta is organic, and start to touch upon people that we don't know very well or we don't have a strong feeling about either way, and then pass that to those that we find difficult, it becomes a little bit more of a practice practice. So let's talk a little bit about the neutral person first. I I had the experience this afternoon of... um, going to a local store, country store, and I ordered a, uh, two things to go, which means that they would prepare it and then I would take it home. And when I talked to the young woman at the counter, I told her what I wanted and I said, I'll pay you now and then I'll come back and half an hour or so and just pick it up. Um, and so I, I went and I walked my dog in the half an hour while they were making these things and I came back and I came up to the counter with the same person and there was my order behind her in a bag and uh, she looked at me and she kind of blankly and she said, uh, may I help you? (laughs) And I realized in that moment that she didn't recognize who I was, right? So we just had this transaction a half an hour before. She didn't recognize me. I said, oh, well, that's that's my order back there that I've paid for. And then she she went, oh, I thought you looked kind of familiar. And this is often the kind of experience that we have uh, 
with people that we we're not familiar with we kind of see them they kind of register but not really right they're not really fully present and vivid uh, to us Sharon Salzberg says that uh, one of her favorite things is to uh, find uh, a neutral person in the course of her daily life and then do meta practice with them until they become a friend. Now that's a pretty refined mind, right? To have that be one of your favorite things in the world to do is to (laughs) find a neutral person and practice with them until they become a friend. But it's kind of an amazing thing when it happens. I can remember um, uh, doing intensive meta meta practice once and the the person that I picked for my neutral person was uh, a young woman who worked at the local post office. So she would be somebody I would see if I had to get a special piece of mail or I had to buy stamps or something. And I knew what her first name was and I had a sense of what she looked like. So she was she was the one that I picked as my neutral person uh, when I was doing in, uh, intensive concentrated meta practice. And her name was Caitlin. <laughs> and when I came out of retreat and went back, this was like a over three month retreat. When I came out of retreat and went back and went to the post office for the first time, it was really amazing. I pulled into the parking lot and I felt excited. <laughs> and I opened the door to my car and I walked in this little small post office and there she was before the counter. And I could feel like this gigantic smile come across my face. <laughs> Hi, I said to her. <laughs> and she looked at me and and what was really interesting is then she went, "Hi." <laughs> Just like we were best best friends or something. So it's it's very interesting how these practices can affect our attitude towards other people. So before we start the guided part of this, I want you to uh, turn your mind towards consideration of who your neutral person could be. So try on a few different candidates in your mind. So uh, a good thing to consider is that it should be somebody that you don't have a strong attraction to or a strong aversion to somebody who's just sort of there. But let it be someone that you can form uh, some sort of visual image or uh, felt sense of connection with. So you could pick somebody here on retreat, you know, somebody that you kind of know what they look like or have a sense of them, but you're not really interested in them, not that kind of person, and not somebody you really, you know, would rather not. Just somebody neutral. It could be a retreatant. It could be somebody on staff. It could be somebody you remember from home. 
you know, a mail carrier, a clerk in a bank, uh, somebody at the supermarket who checks you out, the receptionist in your doctor's office, somebody that you can connect with visually or in a felt sense kind of way. Okay, you got your person? All right. Now just tuck them away for now. We're going to go into this meditation. Um, from the beginning, we'll go, go in with uh, self, benefactor, friend, and then I'll do... Uh, a little bit of additional guiding into the work with the neutral neutral person to uh, support the practice opening up there. So settle yourself (coughs) with ease. And we can start by reflecting briefly on the benefit of this quality of mind. How it supports our sense of safety and well-being. provides internal reassurance and confidence. How it allows the mind to hold experiences and states with kindness and care. And how it eases and makes possible our relationships with other people. allows us to see them as worthy of care and attention. This quality of metta is a quality of unification of inviting everything into this field of goodwill and care. (laughs) 
Now allow yourself to start where it's easy. This may be yourself or it may be a benefactor. If it's possible, use yourself. And connecting with the meaning of the phrases Let the energy of your whole system gather in the recitation of the phrases. May I be happy. May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. May I be happy. May I be safe.
May I be healthy. May I live with ease. May I be happy. May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I live with ease.
And now you can either choose to stay with yourself or you can move on to a benefactor. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. May you be happy.
and safe. May you be healthy. May you live with ease.
And now if you're ready, you can let go of the benefactor with a blessing and bring to mind a friend. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be healthy. And live with ease. May you be happy. (coughs) And safe.
May you be healthy in body and mind. May you live with ease.
And now leaving your friend with a blessing, bring to mind your neutral person start with a reflection. Just as I wish to be happy, so do you wish to be happy. as I wish to be safe, so do you wish to be safe. As I wish to be healthy, so do you wish to be healthy. As I wish to live with ease, so do you wish to live with ease. May you too be happy. May you too be safe. May you two be healthy. May you two live with ease. be happy. May you be safe. May you be healthy.
May you live with ease.
May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you live with ease.
May all beings receive the blessings of our lives. May we all awaken together and find complete liberation. Now don't go leaving chocolates on anybody's cushion, okay? <laughs> Are there any practice questions? Or anything to say about this to In my experience, it, it can actually shift something in the field, but... So possibly, like, there might be ill Well, the, the big thing that it shifts, of course, is your attitude towards the other person, right? So when you approach somebody with less defensiveness, less aggression, less uh, aversion, then it changes the whole interaction you have with them, right? When you're in, in other words, when your mind is non-reactive and, and kind of open and grounded in goodwill. I can, I can remember I used to uh, work with a woman who was very uh, skilled at what she did very smart, very high-powered, kind of a perfectionist, a lot of energy. And she would get uh, really wound up or torqued up about things at work and getting them right and making it be the way it needed to be and all the rest of that. And she would sometimes really alienate other people around her because she you know, was fast moving and on top of it and she had very high standards and she wanted other people to meet her standards. And it was a kind of 
tragic thing in a way for her because she had so much talent and so much intelligence and so much drive. But the way she interacted with other people made enemies, made her, created a sense of alienation. And then people wouldn't cooperate, right? Because they were too defensive and felt attacked. And I can, I can remember working with her and sometimes she she would come in and and she would be all worked up. And I found for myself that it, that if my mind was relaxed and I just said something like, hmm, got a lot of energy there. She would just, right? Because I was just acknowledging her state, but I wasn't judging it. You know, I was kind of opening into what she was experiencing and, and reflecting it back to her. So you know, how we interact with other people has a lot to do with whether things escalate or de-escalate in a certain kind of way. And then you, you had a question there. Did you, Josh? Mm-hmm. And they, they brought up a lot of good feeling, uh-huh. but it was also, uh, yeah, it felt like a lot of contact. Uh, yeah. It was sort of moving pretty quickly. Uh, so I'm curious if you have any thoughts about what you're still feeling. Yeah. I wouldn't try to suppress that. I would just let it be there in the background, right? I wouldn't fight it. I wouldn't turn towards it. I would... I would just softly see if I could rest the mind on the the phrases and some sort of felt sense of your friend and just keep doing that. But it's a real natural thing to have uh, other things come up. You know, we're inviting the mind to form an image or a felt sense of connection to the person. So very often the mind will kind of go through our perceptual bank and pick out sort of things. So for the benefactor, I used my mother. And one of the things that was kind of going on in the background for part of the practice was images of my mother at different ages, you know, like pictures I've seen of her as a young woman and memories of her riding a bike with us when we were kids after dinner and, you know, uh, pictures, how she looks now. And so I wouldn't fight with that. That's, I wouldn't, you know, go into the story so much. But I, if it's in the background, it's not, it's not a problem. It's kind of a little bit of um, uh, just shoots off the same <laughs> intention, right? So just by resting the mind gently with the phrases and the image and the intention, over time some of that tends to die down as the mind gets more concentrated. But it's not a hindrance. I wouldn't treat it like that. Uh, yes, Bruce. So if it's not being done as a concentration practice, is it okay to kind of change the wording a bit? Um, not have it be exactly the same thing in every repetition? Mm-hmm. If that interferes with the practice? So this is about changing the phrases and... Um, if you were doing this as a pure concentration practice, meaning your intention is to is unification of the mind, uh, 
uh, in the generation of this intention and state, you would use the same phrases every time for everybody. But if that's not the primary purpose of the practice, it is okay to change the phrases. And in fact, it's, it's important for most people to kind of customize your phrases, right? If I was going to give you the, the traditional phrases, uh, in English it would be, uh, may you be free from danger, may you be free from mental suffering, may you be free from physical suffering, may you be well and happy. Right? But for most of us that kind of like negative language, like may you not have this happen, is not really where the mind can grab hold. So you would want to have phrases that support your mind, grabbing hold of the intention and resting uh, with ease there. So the phrases may differ for each of you what your your phrases would be. I would caution, however, about playing with them too much because you can really get get into the playing with the phrases. I would not play with the phrases because it, it's an unending, uh, an unending thing. Uh, but having said that, there can be circumstances where the, your standard version is not really appropriate. So if you're saying... Uh, um, may you be healthy and you know the person you're addressing that to is like terminally ill or something, you know, there can be a little cognitive dissonance thing going on there, right? Like, may you be healthy? Well, you know, you're, I know you're dying, right? It it would be more skillful in that kind of uh, case to do a particular tailoring of the the phrases that might be more like, um, 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 may you be supported in, uh, may you be cared for uh, in body and mind or something like that. You know what I mean? May others support your, you and your journey or something like that, right? You see the point? Making it, a, in those kinds of cases, making it appropriate so your mind can actually connect with it without needing to figure out how that could possibly apply in this circumstance, right? Yeah, Gina. Yeah. You could do three phrases, you could do four phrases, you could do five phrases. But in general it works the best when it's simplest. Right. So, compound clauses and hyphens, <laughs> semicolons. <laughs> those are usually that's not, probably not the way you want to do this. All right, Sister Joel. Right. Good question. 
They're all good questions. But Sister Jewel was just saying that when she was offering the phrases to herself, one in particular, may I be healthy, brought to mind um, the five remembrances and the Buddha uh, pointing to the truth of dukkha and the truth of suffering and how the body has, you know, the nature to become ill at because of the uh, instability of... <laughs> the causes and conditions in this impermanent world and how does that kind of like fit with this wish to be healthy and how do you hold those two together? And I think the answer to that is this practice is is working on the relative level, on the level of conventional uh, reality. Um, and while it's true that everything is impermanent and our health is at some point going to break down and we are going to pass away, with this particular practice, you can understand it as a practice of if it were up to me mind, right? So that's how I hold these phrases. <coughs> if it were up to me, you would be happy. Right? If it were up to me, you would be safe. If it were up to me, you'd be healthy. I'm on board with that. I wish that uh, could be so for you. That's really what we're saying with these phrases. right? For If it were up to me, I'd want you to be well and safe. So you can see how it's possible, for instance, that you might, for instance, be offering metta to people in Syria. You know, may you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease, even though you know their actual situation is such that those things are probably going to be hard hard to come by. So you're practicing your, your intention, right? Your intention in relationship to, to yourself and others. Because, you know, you have to remember, even though the Buddha points uh, again and again to the truth of dukkha and the importance of, of our mind, um, opening to that truth and, and uh, the implications of it, he's not cheerleading it on, Right? He's not going like, yay, dukkha, let's all suffer. Let's all get sick together. Right? Like, that's not the teaching. Right? Oh, you're feeling good? Oh, gee, here, let me have some bad food, you know. <laughs> right? So that's not, that's not the deal. Right? These teachings are a way to come to terms with those truths, to open to them and accept them in a wise kind of way, and then to live with happiness and well-being and wisdom and joy, considering everything, right? And what we're doing here is capacity development. Uh-huh, may I be as healthy as possible. That's a good alternative phrase. Yep. yep. Alice had spoken to me about looking at metta as something which is not, um, not made, not done, but rather uh, 
revealed, mm-hmm. uh, which um, <coughs> uh, feels, feels uh, I don't know, easier for me mm-hmm. to look at it that way. How, if that way of looking at it works for me, how, how should I work with these purposeful phrases? That you're, you're stating something that's already there. <laughs> or I'm speaking from it now. <laughs> I'm speaking from it. May you be happy. Okay, very good. Very good. You know, don't this is a very powerful practice. Very powerful practice. It can really shift your mind. And it can bring up all the stuff that's cross currents to it, you know. You can have real stormy weather doing this practice, as sweet as it seems to be. And if that's happening, you know, if you have hindrances or objections in mind that come up in relationship to this practice, do not despair. All right, this is all part of it. If you don't feel, like sometimes people will say, I don't feel anything, right? Usually it's it's said with like some sort of tragic self-view attached to it. Like, you know, ah, there's something wrong with me. I don't feel anything when I do it. Other people, you know, must be sitting here feeling all of this meta. And I don't feel it. In fact, I feel kind of grumpy. Okay. I feel kind of annoyed. I had one woman once... Um, when I was doing a, a guided meta, at the end of the, the sitting, when I asked for questions, she raised her hand and she said, she raised it very high, you know, so she really wanted the question answered, and she said, what I want to know is, why do all the teachers use that voice <laughs> in meta? Okay, so we can bring up the opposite, all right? Okay, that's good. So you have a little bit of sitting time until your until your light dinner. You oh well, you could sit, you could walk. What, you wanna move your legs or something? Okay, you can move your legs. All right. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.